0: Why has the U.S. banned the use of Chinese company Huawei's technology? To what extent is Huawei a security threat? What are the deeper issues at play in this power struggle? These are the questions we'll be exploring on this week's Cracking Cybersecurity podcast. I'm your host, Anna Delaney, editor at TICE, And this week, Malcolm Taylor, head of cybersecurity at ITC Secure Networking, joins me to discuss what's at the root of tensions between the US, UK and China in the battle over the use of Huawei 5G technology. We also talk about the wider issues of surveillance and data privacy. The future of Huawei's role in the UK's 5G network still remains uncertain, but in the past few weeks, Huawei has lost nearly every partner it has due to a US trade ban in an effort to protect national security. Huawei's founder has said that the US can't crush them, So I asked Malcolm, what's really going on here? Here is his answer.
1: I still think it's very, I've been saying this for a little while, it's very hard not to see this in terms of simply a trade dispute with um, a number of issues within it that are presented as being about national security. And um, however hard I try, and I have tried, I can't see it in those, Terms I see it as about the trade war between the US and China. Um, And I think how long it lasts will depend on the time it takes to start hurting US consumers, and I think inevitably it will do that. And um, the speed with which the Chinese remediate the issues that it's creating for them.
0: So, Huawei is
1: not a security threat? I, China's a hostile nation. Huawei, um, you can have a difficult philosophical debate about whether there's such a thing as a private company in China. They are all in some way related to the state, and Huawei unquestionably will be. I don't know how, but it will be. Um, and so you have to make a judgment about whether that means it presents a security risk. Um, And I think that's precisely what the British government have done Um, and they have applied what our industry, the cyber industry would say is best practice to Huawei and undertaken risk management of that whole issue because they're a Chinese company and they have come to the conclusion that they present a risk that's manageable. So it's not to say that they're not a risk, but it NCSC, the British government, the cabinet, were told, via leaks, has reached the conclusion that that risk can be managed. And that, from a cybersecurity professional's point of view, is the right decision. So um, I'm not going to say they don't represent a risk. I'm saying they represent a risk that we can manage. Um, and I suppose contextually you have to balance that against what is the alternative to using Huawei and Huawei is already um, prevalent within the UK's GSM mobile 4G network and to build 5G on top of that, it's an adjunct, it's not a replacement you need to maintain that capability so unless we decide that as a nation we're going to get rid of Huawei out of our whole infrastructure which would be a massive undertaking applying risk management to it is the obvious thing to do.
0: What's really going on here? You mentioned the trade tensions. Is it about the economy? Is it about power? What's the heart of this?
1: Um, You might have to ask Donald Trump that to get to the real answer. I'll try, I'll try. Next interview. (laughs) To get to the real answer. Um, And I think it's probably a combination of those things. I think China has been very clever for a long time in its foreign policy which has been very much soft power based. The Chinese have uh, invested a lot of money in Africa, in Asia, um, and other parts of the world as well, South America included. Um, And they've built infrastructure projects. They've helped governments in many different ways. They've invested um, a lot of money. And alongside that, they've invested a lot of money in companies like Huawei, building good, affordable technology. And those sorts of two things come together. And so now the internet backbone across large, cha- large chunks of the globe is Chinese, runs on Chinese technology. And they've done that slowly, they've done that carefully, they've done that over years. And it uh, gives them, it, it's made them very powerful. And I think there is a genuine concern in Washington that the future global superpower is perhaps the one that runs most of the world's internet, data, telecommunications. And if you look at it like that, that's Huawei and that's China. Um, So I do think there's some elements of power into it. There's elements of US supremacy in it. I think there are some trade things too. US trade deficits are historically very poor with China. Um, And uh, it does feel like... um, by addressing those big sort of strategic power issues, you're also able perhaps to help American commercial entities.
0: And what are the risks to blocking China out? What's the impact it will stir? You mentioned um, U.S. consumers will suffer, but how long do you give it?
1: I think the bigger risk, I think U.S. consumers will suffer. Um, and, and outside of tech, in other areas where tariffs have been applied, they already are suffering. U.S. farmers are taking a hit. U.S. Um, consumers are paying higher prices, um, and that always happens in a trade war. Uh, technologically speaking, the Chinese, I think, will move on without the Americans and could very well become the norm for the world. So the Chinese for Huawei actually have had plan B, which is to replace Android, replace the operating system in case a situation like this ever arose. Um, they will accelerate that. They've said they already are accelerating it um, and uh, they'll make that work, and they'll deliver it. Uh, they've very recently, you know, other technology providers are getting caught up in this. Um, very recently, they're now unable to use micro SD capability. Uh, the Chinese will build their own replacement for that. Um, I think the US does risk um, getting to a point where the norm for the world. Is Chinese and the exceptions are America, perhaps parts of Europe and perhaps the UK where they're using this funny thing called micro SD, they, they're still on Android and they're a little bit behind um, Chinese enabled capabilities so I don't think this is at all risk-free for the Americans and for US tech companies.
0: So either way China are going to be the great innovators of tech
1: I'm not sure that's quite what I said, uh, but I am just thinking
0: they go with
1: yeah, Huawei. I, I think... I mean, why they do They don't, Huawei, they'll develop their own... It's worth asking why Huawei sells. It sells because it works. It sells because it's cheap. It sells because they give it away in places. So, you know, what I, I talked to before about how they'd use kind of soft power and technology to, as part of their inward investment, part of their foreign policy, um, that has included giving it away. So for countries that can't afford to build an internet backbone, the Chinese have said, OK, well, here's a load of Huawei kit, you can you can have it, you can run it, off you go. Um, and that's a really powerful thing. So I, I think there is a da- there is that danger, yeah, that they do become that. that. I don't think it's, it's set in stone, I don't think it's guaranteed. I think what the US does over the next few months and years will be decisive, or maybe not decisive, will go a long way to determining what comes out of that. But it is a real risk, yeah, that that the norm for technology is Chinese. It's not American.
0: There seems to be a lack of trust on all sides. Do you think this trust could be built? Do you think they could manage tensions, and how could that
1: look? Um, Yes, of course it can. The world has been through worse scenarios in the past and built trust again. I think definitely it can do. Um, I suppose I have a question whether it can be done under this president. Um, I'm not an expert in that administration, but it doesn't look one with which people can easily build consensus and ally. Um, but, yeah, they can rebuild that. I'm sure they can. Uh, and, and countries are great at ramping rhetoric up and, in fact, making dramatic changes and then rowing back from them and being best friends again. Um I suppose I'm saying that from Brexit Britain, which is pretty much split down the middle and we can't build consensus there yet. But I think it's possible. I think it will happen. Um, Yeah.
0: Where do you see the UK fitting in all of this?
1: I think that's a really interesting question. Um, We we are leaving a trading block in Europe to become, you know, global Britain. Um, And there's a danger in that, that at the sort of first time of asking we doff our caps to the Americans and do what they've asked us to do um, that's politically very difficult I suspect uh, and does play to lots of the rhetoric about you know we want to leave Britain to become the next state of the US um, chlorinated chicken etc. <laughs> uh, I think um, that needs playing really carefully but it needs playing really carefully at a time when we haven't got many friends in the world Um, because of Brexit. Um, So I don't think we've got a very strong hand to play. Um, I, in a purely technical sense, or a technocrat sense, I don't see the Five Eyes um, exchange being in danger. I don't think the US will pull us out of that. But it is, you know, they they could end up with a quite dramatic game of chicken about Huawei, intelligence sharing, Future of technology, the trade war, and with a Brexit undercurrent, that Britain's in a really difficult place. I think I don't know that I want to predict how they'll go. Um, I guess we know from from leaks that the cabinet, the NSC, has have decided that the Huawei risk can be managed, Um, but that was under the last prime minister. We're going to get a new one. It gives them an opportunity to reassess that. I don't know how that will come out, but I really don't think it's straightforward. It's very nuanced.
0: I want to look at the wider issues of surveillance. How do you define a surveillance state?
1: That's a really good question. Um, I bought my uh, tablet overseas, and it doesn't have on it all the software that... um, it would have had had I bought it in this country because, you know, the country where I bought it wasn't able to surveil that particular software. So it was so clearly the with software? the... So um, Like a... Uh, uh, like apps for communicating, basically. Now, clearly that's done in collaboration with a company who made that particular tablet. Perhaps that's a surveillance state. You can't even buy know, vanilla off the shelf technology because the host nation can't spy on it. Um I saved twenty five quid by doing that. I don't think that was money well spent or mm-hmm. saved. Um we I mean this is the most surveilled country in the world by some measures. C C T V on street corners being being one of those. Um I think, you know, I was an intelligence professional. Um the Western intelligence services are incredibly regulated, controlled, put a lot of effort into making sure that their operations don't impinge upon the privacy of the individual. Um, But there are countries where that doesn't happen. Um, And there are countries with very aggressive internal surveillance capability, or intelligence as they would call it, capability, and that does cross a line and become a surveillance capability. And I guess you get a combination of those things. You get, you know, CCTV, you get the ability to... And the willingness, not the ability, the willingness to spy on citizens, start to control the software that they buy. Um, You get a surveillance state.
0: Because we look to China, we say, well, that's a surveillance state. And yet, look at our mobile phones, the internet, perfect tools for surveillance. CCTV cameras, as you said and only recently we we, we saw that WhatsApp had a flaw that allowed hackers to to install spyware. Are we in a surveillance state?
1: I think there's a... The the, the word state is interesting. So that is used... And that that surveillance state phrase is usually used to mean, are we being spied on by the government? Um, I don't think in this country that's true, But if you look at that question of surveillance in a slightly different way, um, the use of our data by a variety of actors, none of which are the state, um, could add up to um, surveillance. Yeah, so, you know, you download an app, it's free, you're really giving away, you pay for it with your data. If the app's free, then you're the commodity, and they're looking at, you know... um, phones, locations, choices, hobbies, lifestyles, sexuality, all those sorts of things, and collecting data on us, store cards, um, petrol station cards, all of those things. And our mobile phone, which does track where we are 24-7, it's great, we can put ourselves on a map, but there's somebody at the other end of that looking at that as well, potentially. So there is a whole industry out there collecting our data in, in what looks like surveillance state. And this, I think, I guess, or, or maybe surveillance, not state, then ties back into your question earlier about 5G and smart cities and those sorts of things. And that feels like it becomes much more straightforward to do. So I think the privacy lobby, I think the human rights lobby, I think, and, and, and the ignorance that, that, that we all have giving away our data need to become much more... Um, almost much more an accepted part of, of society because they're not, at the moment, I don't think, they don't have the same... They're still seen as sort of slightly oddball things that you know people who watch BBC2 are interested in, which is, you know, they're not, they're not seen to be doing common good when in reality we are all giving away all of our data. We are all allowing ourselves to be surveilled um, without thinking about it.
0: What sort of surveillance
1: is okay and what's not? <laughs> um, I suppose, I mean in that sense, in a non-state sense, um, I don't think we're giving a, given enough information to make um, informed consent decisions. So at the moment, you know, data is the new oil we're told, we just give all our oil away. Um, and I think we need to be better informed, I think, terms and conditions on free apps that we all accept without reading, of course, and on iPhones that we all accept without reading, and on other phones as well that we all accept without reading. They need to be clearer. They need to make absolutely clear when you download an app, what are you giving away in return? The they tech don't companies
0: should take that responsibility.
1: I think it, it, the tech companies will have to do it. I do wonder if you know, they don't need regulating to make that happen because I I don't see it happening without that. Um I uh um, to your question you know, from a from a state's perspective. States have intelligence services which are set up by statute, they're given certain obligations to fulfil. They're very narrowly defined. Um and they typically do them within those Narrow, within that narrow definition to that statutory function, um, and they're subject to checks and balances, I think it's hard to say that that's not justified surveillance.
0: Can we protect our privacy within this? I mean, th- that's one question can we and, and how?
1: Yes, I think so. There is a, there's a large part of me that thinks stable door and horse, and the no. horse has already gone. Um because you know we all use the internet and you think about something or or look at something online and then you 're getting adverts for it you 're getting you know special offers for it, and that is about somebody using your data to shape what you receive so it 's endemic in what in in the internet already um it feels very difficult to get that back in its box, but um I think there's a massive lack of education. We need to educate people about that. I think we need to begin to think about educating people in security or cyber security more generally and I don't mean in that turning them into into you know cyber security professionals I might want to give a job to. Um, I mean making them aware of the things that you know being online is is a funny state. You're connected to the world and yet you're in your own little bubble And that creates a situation where you behave in ways that you probably wouldn't otherwise. You send inappropriate things, you say things you don't really believe, you just behave differently, and all the world can see it happening. Education around that, but also education around data, around the value that that has, the value that we have, the need to protect it and why it's important. And that's why I say things like, you know, privacy groups need to become more than niche special interest groups. Um, I think there's a difficult question to be asked about regulation Um, and just more of an understanding that this is now a commodity we trade in and at the moment it isn't. You know, by the time... I forget the exact figure and don't ever believe anybody in this industry who uses statistics, (laughs) including me, but by the time a child gets to nine, all of its personal characteristics... And its likes and its dislikes and its hobbies are already known to um, commercial entities, and presumably in some parts of the world governments. That's terrifying.
0: Uh, George Orwell famously said that Big Brother is watching you. Uh, What do you think he'd make of all of this? Do you think he'd um, have (laughs) thought that the tracking of citizens would be as great as it is?
1: I don't know. I mean, his was very much a state-led enterprise. And still, I think in most of the West, I'm confident that in most of the West that doesn't happen at state level. Um, there are countries where it does happen, as we've talked about, although I seem to have refused to name them. Yes, um, <laughs> <still there>. mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm going on holiday soon. I need to be able to travel unencumbered. <laughs> um, there is, you know, we are, our data is being shared widely, I think at a level even he didn't envisage, didn't imagine. And. Um, But I think he'd say, you know, I told you so, almost. I guess you can have a philosophical question about where does power sit? Does it sit with, where does real power sit? Does it sit with states or does it actually sit with big commerce? And, you know, you might put big tech companies at the top of that. Um, I'm beginning to sound like a world government conspiracy theorist, which I'm absolutely not. But um, you can, um, you know, I think he'd say I was right.
0: Thanks to Malcolm. That's all for this week. If you liked our podcast, please do subscribe and rate our shows. You can also tweet us at Tice, that's T-E-I-S-S. We're always happy to hear from you. For now, it's bye from us. Join us next time for more Cyber Conversations.